Marketplace is supported by Putnam Investments, believing a sound investment portfolio starts with a trusted financial advisor. Putnam, a world of investing. Produced in association with the University of Southern California. One wishes the markets would make up their mind. Is the European debt deal a good thing or a bad thing? We'll have today's version of events. Also, our series Food for Nine Billion continues from American Public Media. This is Marketplace. Marketplace is supported by Constant Contact, offering email marketing tools and resources to help market small businesses during the holiday season. Learn more at ConstantContact.com. And by Meritas, a worldwide alliance of law firms committed to helping companies find local, pre-qualified legal counsel for over 20 years. Meritas.org. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. Good to have you here on a Monday, everybody. It's the 12th of December today, and I will bet you $10,000 you can't guess where we're going to start today. Nah, it's a sucker's bet, really. It's Europe. You knew that. But here's the thing. The big political disagreements we've been having here over the economy and what to do about it, whether to cut spending or spend more and hope there's growth, they're doing the same thing over there. Austerity on the one hand or stimulus on the other. From Washington, Marketplace's David Gura starts us off on the Europe story today. A new treaty would require countries to balance budgets by slashing spending and raising taxes. They'd have to keep their deficits down or pay penalties. These would be legally binding strictures on uh, members of that fiscal union. Dan Hamilton heads the Center for Transatlantic Relations at Johns Hopkins. The theory is balanced budgets and smaller deficits boost confidence. That would encourage investors to, say, buy European bonds. If you can get confidence in your economy and a basic stability to the economy through the entire pan-European market, that confidence would allow economies to grow. A pan-European market, Hamilton reminds us, that's made up of half a billion people. But critics say these restrictions would hurt countries like Italy and Greece. Ralph Bryant is with the Brookings Institution. Well, I don't think you'll grow your way out with very harsh austerity. At least in the short term. Bryant says, sure, balanced budgets are good in the long run, but maybe they shouldn't be the top priority when economies are in trouble, like they are in Europe and in the U.S. It's a more severe trade-off in Europe, I think, than it is here in the United States, but it's qualitatively similar. And that debate in Europe is one we probably want to pay attention to. Stephen Strand teaches economics at Carleton College. He says how things play out in Europe will ripple across the Atlantic. We're so interconnected that if they have some sort of a financial freeze, that undoubtedly is going to carry over into the United States. In Washington, I'm David Gura for Marketplace. We ask ourselves around here, not infrequently as it happens, whether we're spending too much time on the Europe story. Is it all that or is it just us? So we went out today and asked around, do you care or don't you? You know, it's gone to hell, just like here. No, concerned about it, but I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. If we are going to be part of the European Union, you play by the rules. And if you want to be rescued by them, well, you have to play by the rules. It's the trickle-down effect. It's going to really hurt us, too. There's a lot of countries that are going down the pan. I think Britain will be a lot better if they weren't in the Eurozone. 
That was Mark Wheaton and Sarah Tinge, both in Portland, Oregon. Roni Nissan out of Madrid, Spain. Stanrod Herskovitz in Cleveland. Terry Wald out of London, England at the end there. And that, as it happens, is where we're going next. Because Britain, as you know, is not in the Eurozone. They still use the pound. And at the moment, it's on the outs with the larger European Union as well. Because last Friday, at the height of all the Sturm und Drang over the EU rescue deal, Prime Minister David Cameron was the lone dissenter. No thanks, he said, to the treaty meant to create a new fiscal union. Too threatening, apparently, to London's financial industry. Our man in London, Stephen Beard, picks it up from there. With permission, Mr. Speaker, I would like to make a statement on last week's European Council. In a rowdy House of Commons today, Prime Minister Cameron stoutly defended his actions at last week's European summit in Brussels. I went to Brussels with one objective, to protect Britain's national interest. And that is what I did. The Prime Minister wrapped himself in the Union flag. His more ardent supporters say he's the latest in a long line of British heroes valiantly defeating European aggression. Henry V at Agincourt, Wellington at Waterloo.